NCAA football today from Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. You are looking live at the Schooner Pod from all of our individual apartments. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Jameson, we got Ty, and we are here to break down OU versus Nebraska in the only way we know how. As corny as possible, with as much love to the 70s as we can. Uh, guys, I don't even kind of want to talk about West Carolina. I know we do, but this moment we've kind of been waiting for for a while, OU Nebraska, back together on our own field. How excited are you, Kenton? It's it's going to be great. You know, it, the one thing being an 11 o'clock, of course, that just takes away from so much of what it could have been if we could have had it the same time as West Virginia that we get with the 630. That'd be absolutely beautiful. But it's going to be crazy either way. Um, I feel like the vibe, even though it was cool to see the full stadium in Western Carolina and how we striped it in an interesting way was neat and unique. But the vibes at this game will be the true feel Oklahoma football. Absolutely. This is going to feel like normal for sure. Um, like that standard big game that we haven't had truly since I can't remember the last time we've had a feeling like this Ohio state, I suppose in 2016. I'm just guessing. Oh, but goodness. That was, yeah, it, it's that been was a, a weird, that was a really weird day though. Cause it was raining so much, you know, there was that like massive downpour, the delay and, Oh, you got off to just an awful start. But, you know, I'm excited for it. It's a, a massive game. Ty, um, are you hyped? Tell me. Tell me. I am. Tell me your yeah. feelings. Quick, quick show note. Um, uh, I have a home, not recording from an apartment. Not trying to flex. I know it's a sore subject for some. Uh, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. In, in two weeks, in two weeks I'll be broadcasting from a home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I am, uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for how we performed last week. I think that's the bare minimum of how a team that's at the level that we're allegedly at should perform against a team like that. Obviously there's some sportsmanship arguments here and there, uh, which I think are fair, but I'm super excited for Nebraska. I don't think it's going to get as much hype as it deserves just because we know that Nebraska is atrocious, um, which is very disappointing because when we scheduled this, we were expecting, you know, that they would be at least, you know, a, decent ranked team you know i don't think we were expecting a top 10 top five matchup and i think we were hoping they'd at least be like others receiving votes or if not like you know in the in the 20s i mean this schedule this game was scheduled right after nebraska left in 2012 so let's be honest this was scheduled when indomitian sue was there uh bo Pelini was going nine and three every year which apparently was an issue because he got fired um boy <laughs> boy i guarantee you they would uh, wish they had that back so that's really your this, floor. Well, and then, you know, when, when Scott Frost got hired, it was like, Oh, well maybe this thing will get turned around and it just mm-hmm. never did. Um, so this game does have, did have a lot of potential, did have a lot of hype, but you know, the Huskers haven't held up their end of the bargain. I don't think you can blame OU for that, but um, before we really do a deep dive on this, let's take care of some business. Talk about Western Carolina. Um, not a lot to really gather from it because this was one of the most lopsided OU games I've ever seen. Uh, 76 to nothing. The worst loss uh, OU has doled out to a team since uh, 77 uh, to nothing in 2003 against Texas A&M. So I don't know how much, which is incredible. It's so much sweeter when it's A&M. I know, <laughs> I know. I don't know how much there is to glean from it. Um, so we'll, we'll just, we'll brush through it. 
just general impressions, then maybe hand out a game ball or two. Um, Jameson, uh, your first, your impression of the game, what, 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 if anything, have you taken from it? Yeah, I feel like we just finally executed in what we wanted to do in week one, and we went out there and did. There's still some things I was concerned about, and I'll get into it, but I like the way Eric Gray was running the ball. Um, he looked like he was hitting his gaps when they're obviously a lot bigger versus this team. It's a lot easier. Um, so he looked good. You know, Kennedy looked the same. But I will say this about Spencer. I understand five touchdowns in the first half. First quarterback to do that since Jason White in that same Texas A&M game. Let's get one more little Texas A&M jab. You know, first quarterback. And, you know, there's only two OU quarterbacks in OU history to do that. So pretty cool. But there was one play on the goal line on the, in the, going towards the south end zone in the first half where Mike Woods was wide open, nobody guarding him, nobody guarding him at all on the side, not a cornerback, and he doesn't even look at him. And this was this was in the pre-snap that he was not guarding, and then all throughout the play. And that's one thing I've noticed about Rattler is he sometimes kind of locks in on these guys, and especially we've seen that with Jaden Hazelwood throws, where I'm thrown into this guy, and it's going to happen. He's going to go get it. He's not diagnosing the play as much as I'd like. And plus, there's a couple things with his arm that makes me a little worried, too. Um, he just doesn't – he's not popping off the page for me, guys. Yeah, I, I get that, and I know I know that exact play you're talking about because Woods was open for quite a while. This wasn't like a snap decision, just missed him. Um, my guy was ha- like hand-waving. Nobody came over. That that – that, those reads have to get better, and I, I don't know if that comes with more comfort. At this point, we kind of thought he'd be there with the offense. I just don't – he's just not there yet. I, I don't know if that's something that will ever come. Um, but we have a long season to go, so hopefully he can get better with it. Um, maybe he's just trying to not mess up. But, again, it's Western Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Ty, what did you uh, glean from this game? Yeah, um, not – like you guys said, I, not a whole lot because, you know, when you're <clears> – <throat> And I'm not trying to say this in like a, a disrespectful way towards Western Carolina, but when you're essentially playing against air at, at some point, you know, it's it's really easy for, for things to go right. You know, I, at at 26 attempts, our quarterback had almost 250 yards and five touchdowns, which that's like absurd for for 20 completed passes. Like that's that's crazy. Uh both of our um main two running backs. Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks both had less than 10 carries apiece, uh, which is good because, uh, again, that load management of of the runners, uh, like I talked about, wanting to to see our our pass run spread on the plays was a little bit more even. Uh, but design runs for our main running backs uh, were a little lower, which is something that that you know we'd been talking about, expected to see, and and like to see. And other than that, you know, it hopefully this is a good confidence builder, and then we can use Nebraska as another really big, this is what I'm hoping it's a really big confidence builder for this team because it's a, a power five, a big team, a traditional rival, but still not a very good team. So hopefully I think big picture, we had our shock week one, that's not an L in the books. And then we're just going to start at the easiest and, you know, crank up the difficulties we go through the season. So that's my hope for this game, that this is stepping stone one for this team. Yeah, I think it, it definitely got us in the right direction. And, you know, if it didn't, that's a huge problem, obviously. But, um, you know, the, I think the thing to me that was the most notable thing, OU looked focused all the way through. They looked 
it, it was complete. They didn't need to be that complete against Western Carolina, but you could tell that it was drilled into them all week long after that Tulane debacle to drive a team into the ground like that and to really, to really take care of business and finish the job. And, you know, hopefully they didn't just do it against Western Carolina and not, you know, won't, won't do it again this, this season. Hopefully this wasn't just a one-off thing. Um, but it was just a complete effort, a consistent effort. Um, and I, I really liked the way the guys were flying around. Uh, obviously, for me, the highlight of the game, you know, because this is this is one of those things where we, we were supposed to beat this team. It was supposed to be a bloodbath. But the highlight of the game to me was uh, Ethan Downs, that just remarkable um, tackle on his end, the, the energy from from him, uh, lifelong Sooner fan growing up in Weatherford. Um, just such a cool moment. And it, it makes him realize – you know, some of these guys, it just it, how much it means to them, and it makes you kind of want everyone to play like that. And I hope that something like that can you know really inspire the, some of these guys to really you know step it up. You know, get that love of the game, and you know every time they get get on that field, that's an opportunity to play for OU. And if everyone had the energy that Ethan Ethan Downs had in that one play, this is a national championship level team. Yeah, no, Ethan Downs was one of the bright moments. And another guy was Danny Stutzman. But unfortunately, if anyone was wondering what's going on with his injury, I've been looking at it and watching the replay pretty closely. I'm pretty nervous there's like a fracture in his upper forearm or in his elbow area, and I don't think we're going to see him for a while. I, I doubt that there's a probably a good chance he's shut down for the rest of the season. And that's a bummer because he led the team in tackles, I believe. Um, you know, he was really impressive. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of a true freshman coming in at that linebacker position, making his way to the backup at second string and playing hard. They were talking about him in the press conferences last week as he's just a psycho. Like, he does not care. He just runs and goes. And that's a guy that you love in this Grinch defense, you know, a guy that Odom would love. And now he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Um you know, uh, luckily it's, you know, fractures are a little bit better than him tearing his Achilles or, or knee, but I don't think he's coming back this season. I just kind of had to put my little injury stamp on this pod. Yeah, and, and it's necessary to do that. And it's a bummer because, like you said, a lot of he, – he's kind of crazy. Uh, I believe um, Perion Winfrey said he, he, he's a little – I can't remember the term he used. It was something like cuckoo in the head or had a screw yeah. loose or something. And Perion Winfrey saying that. This guy, you, you got to be a little nuts for that, which I love. Uh, but, you know, hopefully it's not as bad as it looks and he can get back out there and continue to be a psychopath on the field, which I love. Um, but, yeah, let's wrap this up. We'll just do quick game ball. Uh, Ty, first, or who is your game ball and why? Um, just one for the whole team. Yeah, why not? Okay, so mine, going unconventional here, mine uh, is – for Lincoln Riley, because ultimately um, going 76 to nothing against someone is something that is completely within the head coach's control. And I never would have thought that he had it in his heart to uh, keep on the gas against, especially a team like this and just absolutely run them into the ground and continue scoring to the end and continue holding them in, into the end. Um, so hopefully we have broken a seal here and he will carry that into the rest of his coaching career because, you know, knock on wood, but I think it's reasonable to assume that we're going to have Riley with us longer than we're going to have anyone that's playing on this team right now. So the lessons learned from the individual players here are important for this season, but 
if we can get a coach, specifically Lincoln Riley, to uh, knock that whole, you know, we're going to relax in the second quarter or we're going to coast because we're up thing, that's going to be super, super significant for OU going forward. So he's my game ball. Yeah, I I get that. And, you know, I, I love what Alex Grinch was talking about after the game where you know, he told the defense, like, you're running laps if you let, if you let him score a single point, like <laughs> – just, just really like digging in on the defense to really com- have a complete game, even though they are no offense to them, they were completely out outmatched. And honestly, these games shouldn't even be played. Um, it, it's a farce. Um, but at, at the same time, they went one hundred percent through. And you know, shout out to the coaching staff for actually getting them to do that. Um, Jameson, who's your game ball and why? I'm a little torn. At first, I remember we were thinking offense, defense. I wanted to give a shout-out to Mario Williams because he's going to be a legitimate force on this offense for the rest of the season. He is, what is it, touchdown each game? You know, so uh, he's looking like he's going to be a favorite target rattler. But I think that Bryson Washington should get the, the game ball, recovered a fumble, got his first, first interception, and that was a Grinch's guy at safety. I understand that the safety – position um it requires you know a lot to get above delaron turnio and patrick fields but that was just still good for him so you know this game really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things aside from the injuries that happened which i want to hit on a couple of the other ones before we move on to um but yeah i'll give it to bryson washington fair enough fair enough i i I like that i like that pick a lot you know very solid performance from for sure um i don't want to give it to burkich but he he had he had my favorite play of the game because of that boot um, I just had to mention it. Um, I honorable mention goes to Ralph Rucker for going two for two, uh, for 20 yards. I'm just happy my, our, our boy Ralph got in there. Um, but you know, it, look, if I had to go with someone, I, I'd go with Eric Gray for a very solid back, uh, you know, bounce back game. He looked the part, it's Western Carolina, you know, so doesn't really count. But he was the guy I, I, I left that game going, like, oh, okay, that's Eric Gray. I, I, I get it, you know. Um, so I, I really liked Gray. I'm going to give him the game ball, but um, yeah, it's just kind of kind of kind of a tough tough call there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. In general, also shout out Danny Stutzman for the eight tackles. Um, but before we go, entering uh, OU Nebraska, uh, Jameson, give us your. Um, we need a we need a, a name for this segment. You know, the, the <laughs> Doctor Dirty's Corner or something. I don't know. Don't don't curse me with the doctor yet. Talk to okay. me in two years. Okay, but you're, yeah, you're uh, right. Potentially but, Dr. Uh, Gertie's corner. <laughs> yeah, but, but seriously, um, I think that it's really important for people to hear this and to know that, I mean, if you're subscribed to like donor boards somewhere, you're going to see these reports, but kind of know the prognosis and like when these guys are going to return on our defense because our secondary took a huge hit. Um, Billy Bowman with a hamstring injury, that is a thing that lingers. Anything in a defensive back or wide receiver that is a groin or a hamstring You've got to be extremely careful because they re-pull it rather than not. So I would not be surprised if Billy Bowman's out for two weeks at least, these next two, and then maybe even up to four weeks, just being extremely cautious just depending on how you know much they want to baby him. So this is a serious thing. Even though it was a little pull, you know, you say, Oh, he just pulled his hamstring. He's fine. No, this is serious, you know. So it's it's gonna he's gonna be out for longer than we think, in my you know, my impression. Um, also, Woody Washington's also dealing with another, um, you know, kind of a muscle injury in his leg as well. So it's going to be a similar thing. I don't know um, exactly if it is a hamstring or not. I didn't see anything that happened. But if it's like a calf, 
It's not as bad as a hamstring, but they're still going to be careful with it. And I would expect him not to play again this week. Latrell McCutcheon got the starting job at cornerback. So him playing decent was really important. And, you know, know, DJ Graham's got to step up because he hasn't had a good start of the year. But these cornerbacks um, in in the nickelback position too, um, good thing we at least have some depth. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a it's a group that needs to be you know obviously as as good as we want it to be because it, it is a weaker spot. But this type of this type of rash of injuries would have just decimated the Sooners in previous years. So it's it, it's something to be very thankful for that we actually have good depth there. I, I would say. All right, on to the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, who have fallen on. Um, in case you've been living under a rock or have just woken up at, uh, from a coma, you know, for the past 30 years, they're not doing so hot. Oh boy, I can't wait to see my favorite number one team. I wonder if Tom Osborne has won his uh, 10th championship yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're bad. They're bad folks. Uh, and sure, they rebounded from their embarrassing opening loss to Illinois, which gets worse and worse by the week. But those two wins were against Fordham. And uh, Buffalo, so they beat two, two two teams from New York, which not exactly a college football hotbed, uh, and they roll into Norman first time since two thousand eight, um, looking to uh, play the spoiler here. So this is a game with a lot of tradition, a lot of history. I'm excited to see it, but um, Ty, your your thoughts on the Huskers? Uh, do you think they pose any sort of threat here? Um. <clears throat> So I honestly, I think that they do just because, you know, everything we just said about OU, I still do not have a hundred percent faith in um, Riley's ability to motivate a team for a game where someone's going to be coming in and giving you their, their best shot. I think Scott Frost is arguably even worse at that. Um, But he does have it in him. Uh, so I, I'm not super worried about Nebraska, but nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, but I, I'm excited to see our boy um, Adrian Martinez out on the field, uh, just playing atrociously at quarterback. <laughs> so I, I will say Martinez, I think, is the one guy that I that makes me like slightly nervous, and that's just due to the old, you know, old fear of dual threat quarterbacks. Um, this guy isn't exactly great throwing the ball. He's, he's not, he's not, he's not his brother Taylor, but you know, he, he still can get it done on both ways. And, you know, I don't know. It just gives me the heebie jeebies seeing a guy who can run and pass Jameson. Uh, are you, what, how nervous are you for this game? If at all? I mean, I'm not nervous. I don't think it's going to be perfect. Um, I still think OU has a lot of things to work on. And like I said, I think the secondary being shorthanded across the board is definitely going to hurt them as well. Um, Adrian Martinez, you know, he hasn't thrown an interception yet this year. So let that better change, first of all. And I think the biggest, biggest key is, yes, he is a dual threat. and He's been running the ball well this season. Um, We need pressure on him, and we need to be having a day. Nick Benito needs to be a force. This is going to be a well-televised game that a lot of people are going to be watching. Nick Benito needs to come out and put his name further so on the map as a first-round pick. And I think if we can get enough pressure on him, get him a little bit, you know, he's a guy that he doesn't deal with pressure while he rolls out in the pocket, you know, kind of gets flustered really easy. We need to get him flustered and quick and not making, you know, the short little um, dink passes. 
Yeah, and that's that's what the key of this game is. Is it's it's pressure. Nebraska's offensive line is honestly not very good at all. Uh, they have struggled this season so far. Um, and honestly, like that that's the key for OU: making them feel that pressure, forcing them into mistakes, making that atmosphere really snowball into something that Nebraska really struggles with. Um, so. You know, guys like, you know, Benito, uh, Isaiah Thomas, of course, and uh, Perion Winfrey, they're going to need to make their presence felt early um, and really, re- really just overwhelm the Huskers into a situation where, you know, they, they don't have any momentum. They don't they don't get that, you know, rivalry, you know, thing. They don't they don't start to believe. That's the biggest thing. Crush the hopes early and just keep pouring it on. Um and I, I think it's necessary that they do because if you look at OU's schedule, this is one of the poorest strengths of schedules I've seen out of an OU team in a long time. So Nebraska ain't going to cut it. Let's just get that straight. Um, but what might cut it is like a 70 level, you know, beatdown. Hanging 70, hanging 60 on the Huskers. That is something OU has to strive for. I think they have it in them. Do I think it'll happen? I don't know. Um, maybe Nebraska might have just a shred of pride left in them. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I, I'm really excited to see how, 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 it, how it pans out. Um, but again, it, it's going to have to be about not giving them a shred of hope, pounding them with pressure, and you know, forcing mistakes, which I, I believe can happen. Uh, Nebraska and their uh, is winless in their previous three trips to Norman, starting with that uh, 2000 – game that um you know was was quite excellent restarted the sooners um and then you have 2004 the effing hillbillies game and uh 08 where uh sam bradford just murdered them so good times and uh <laughs> good times on owen field this millennium for sure um and speaking of which uh i want to talk about with nebraska you kind of have to talk about the past because that's the only thing interesting about them ty um i I don't know how far or how close you followed the OU-Nebraska rivalry because we're both kind of young. We're, we're all kind of young. Didn't remember the prime of it. But um, you, what are you – what what do you remember kind of learning most about Nebraska in terms of the rivalry? What's your favorite kind of takeaway from all of it? So my favorite my favorite OU-Nebraska moment, uh, like you touched on, being um, 20 – I'm 25. Um, you know, I wasn't really – I obviously I was alive and, and very much remember when we played uh, Nebraska when they were still in the, the Big Twelve, but I don't necessarily remember it being a, a rivalry then, uh, just because they were sort of on the downhill and, and we were very uh, in the up at that point. Uh, but for sure, my favorite OU Nebraska moments is that infamous clip from the uh, I believe it's the seventies. When OU and Nebraska play the game of the century game, there's been a couple OU-Nebraska games of the centuries on the regular season, and Nebraska just barely ekes out a win. And then the uh, Orange Bowl committee calls Oklahoma and tells them that they're going to be playing Nebraska, and the Oklahoma boardroom is up cheering and, and everything else, and then it cuts to the Nebraska boardroom, uh, and they call the Nebraska guys, and they go, hey, so your opponent's going to be Oklahoma, and they're just stone-faced, dead silence in the Nebraska boardroom. And then OU went on and and won in the. Uh, Did we? I'm pretty sure game. we lost. I'm pretty sure we lost the game of the century. 
We lost is, the regular season, yeah, the game of the century one. We beat them in the bowl game. This is like yeah. game of the century two or three at this point. That's yeah. uh, I mean, there's there's a couple that, that get referred to as game of the century, and they're all around the same time period. The one Ty's referring to is the 1978 game where Billy Sims, gave, he was on the five, fumbled the ball at Nebraska to be uh, to keep the uh, – it was going to keep the undefeated record going, fumbled at the five, Nebraska recovers. Um to give OU its only loss of the season. And then in that Orange Bowl rematch, the only time uh, I believe OU Nebraska, you know, had, had rematched in a bowl game or anything, um, OU got the revenge. We're one of the few teams to beat everyone on their schedule. Kind of got robbed of a national title, if you ask me, but, you know, it's fine. You can, you can nitpick a lot of uh, things in the pre-BCS era. But, you know, th- no, I mean, that that is an all-timer. And what, what really, like, punctuates it is uh, there? Um, Tom Osborne waits so long to give a response, it goes dead silent, and the Orange Bowl committee guy has to be like, "Hey, uh, is anyone there?" Um, just uh, all of this is on camera. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, but anyways, Jameson, your favorite OU Nebraska memory? Yeah, see, like like he said, you know, this is beyond our part. But you know, what, growing up and trying to understand it, you know, when everyone around you is talking about it and watching like the old Sooner Magic tapes and the DVD set and everything. Yeah, the original game this entry in 1971, where Nebraska came to Oklahoma and beat us. That you know, that one they definitely pick hard. But after that, we go on and we win six straight games versus them for the next year throughout the seventies or we, you know, have a pretty good dynasty there. Um, that's, that's, but you know, the most recent, obviously the most recent one is whenever we think of it is, you know, the, the big 12 championship um, in 2010 in Arlington, a game that where we kind of were like, Oh, this is really cool. We're playing Nebraska. Um, you know, they kind of been decent recently, but they're not obviously what it used to be. This rivalry, it's its not how we feel right now. It was a little bit more higher in because that was a good team and it was a Big 12 championship game. And they got it really close. And like that 2010 Nebraska team had a lot of really good players on it. And we only won by three points. And that that's obviously for the for the younger people. That's, that's what I remember the most. Yeah, it was a massive comeback. I believe the Huskers uh, went up either 21 to nothing or 14 to nothing. Uh, and the Sooners stormed back to take that one, uh, which was, which was huge. Um, and it was Nebraska's last ever big 12 game uh, in general, in fact. So uh, we, we sent, we sent them off packing in a, honestly the best send off possible. Uh, I would say for, for that rivalry. Um, and, and for me, it's, it, I, it goes deep. I've, I've, um, I've, I've been to a game in Lincoln, the last one in Lincoln, but the last one in Norman, um, truly remarkable people, the friendliest people you'll ever find in, on any college football campus. Uh, and the, 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 how much they revere that rivalry and how much they respect OU and you know, what, what has happened over the, 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 the years, um, this shared tradition, it, it, it's truly special. And I'm looking forward to Nebraska coming back, but, um, for me, it has to be the the pair of games in 2000 and 2001. To me, the, those were the two games that really kind of made me an OU fan. Uh, in 2000, I was like a kid and my dad wouldn't let me go uh, because I was too young and he didn't want me to get wrapped up in all the madness, which totally makes sense. And missing out on that, uh, that incredible moment made got me so upset. I'm like, I never want to miss another OU home game as long as I live. Um and then that next year in 2001, which uh, it, 
it's kind of the perfect OU blend of, you know, the, the, the great moments and the bad, um, that, that Eric Crouch, um, I, I don't know if y'all remember this Eric Crouch reverse touchdown, uh, just pitched it back. Someone threw it to Crouch, uh, First OU loss uh, since 1999 for OU. First one I ever remember seeing. Broke my heart. Uh, truly, like, the, the, one of those defining moments that you realize, I care about this way too much. I think I cried. I was, like, six. Um, and, you know, it, it gave me my first ever sports heartbreak. So Nebraska on, on two ends of um, – on two ends of, of, of the spectrum gave me some of my most – my earliest biggest memories of OU football for sure. So I, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for, for the Huskers. I can't wait to see the cue ball white helmets and all that back on Owen field. It, it is a special, special rivalry. And I, I can't wait to go back up to Lincoln next year. Uh, it is, it is truly special and um, just soak it up. It doesn't happen often. We're getting another home and home later this uh, decade, uh, as long as the Alliance doesn't bonk it or anything. Uh, but these the, these things are special. We we've lost it before, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's we OU and Nebraska aren't strangers. But um, I for one am fired up. This is this is as big, if not bigger, than Ohio State uh, to me, just in terms of the culture, in terms of what what'll, what uh, Owen Field will be like. I truly can't wait. But that's enough blathering on about history and the past. Um, I can't wait to go. Ty, you're muted. I was going to say that's about all there is for this game. I mean, the current Nebraska is so uh, disappointing that uh, remembering the the good old days that we didn't even witness uh, is the best we can do for this one, really. For sure. For, for sure. People forget Tom Osborne got his ass kicked by Switzer, by the way. He was not very good um, until Switzer retired, and then he murdered us in the 90s. So when we win by 70, don't feel bad for them because they did it to us on Owen Field one time. Um, but... All right, that's all we have for OU Nebraska, I think, in terms of previews. Uh, Jameson, do you happen to have any Cruton Corner in your bag for us? Oh, I do, but before we go on, I want to put it out that Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez are not related, um, even though that was the last time we played them. They were um, the quarterback. Uh, it was just worth thinking about that because recently ESPN is called Adrian Martinez, Taylor Martinez online. They, they made a big deal about it, but they are not related. They're not really, God. even though it's really cool that, you know, we played a Martinez <laughs> quarterback last time we went. Okay, okay. Uh, my, I, my Nebraska friend told me they were. So I believe, uh, Austin, this one's on you, buddy. ESPN noted last name publication. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, this is bad. Oh, God. Well, I, okay, I, I'm, look, I'm looking been, on. Yeah, they due to their last name and sports background, people think that Taylor Martinez's brother is Adrian Martinez. However, the truth is they are not at all related to each other. Oh, my God. And they I mean, don't even look even similar in the slightest. Hey, man, they they they, they run fast and throw ball. <laughs> That's, That's maybe good. why we thought that Adrian oh, yeah. yeah Adrian Mitra- Martinez has been here for a long time. Oh uh, yeah, no. but but <laughs> they, maybe they, that's just because we've been tricking our brain to think it's it's the Mandela effect, I guess. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we done screwed up, but hey, if ESPN can screw up, we can too, I guess. All right, but, but we call that. Yeah, let let give me give, hit me with the recruiting corner right here. David, yes. What is this, David? This is a recruiting corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. 
All right, let's just talk about something that's not pertinent news and recruiting. I'm not no, dropping any new – I don't drop any information. I just relay it. But let's just talk about this because I think this is a really cool talking point. USC, Clay Helton, big-time news in college football right now. Who is probably you know top two or top three guy in OU recruiting this year that we want the most is Gentry Williams, a D-back out of Tulsa, who is deciding between us and USC. Even though – Clay Helton's been on the hot seat for a long time. I'm sure that this news is very, very key in helping him decide, do I want to go with a brand new coaching staff or do I want to go to OU? I mean, I mean what, do you, what do you think about that, Bobby? I mean, it, it has to be huge. Um, anytime you are talking to a staff and, you know, all of your contacts, even in this case, you know, where they are staying through the rest of the season, you have interim guys uh, still there. Knowing that they might not be there, that that hurts. And I, I think it hurts on the recruiters' end because it, it's hard to recruit for a program that you might get fired from at the end of the year. And uh, on, on the kids' end, it, it, it hurts because, you know, those contacts, they might not be there at the end of the year. With that being said, USC now, I feel like, has the chance to get better. Uh, I, I've always thought Clay Helton was a joke, a horrible head coach. Um, but with that being said, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. However, USC is the type of program where kids will flock to the interlocking SC, the Cardinal and Gold, uh, Los Angeles, all of that, that. That that is a big enough selling point to overcome some stuff. But at the same time, in terms of um, if it truly is a close, close race between OU and USC, you have to like the guys who are actually there and not getting fired. Yes, absolutely. And so I think this is great news for us, watching our opponents in recruiting do bad um, you know, that's on one side. And then the other side, Texas A&M had a horrible, horrible game, almost lost to former Big 12 opponent in Colorado and pulled out a win at the end. Does not hurt, help at all that Heinous King or where, how do you, I always pronounce his name. Now I just think about it. I pronounce it as Heinous. So I'm going to keep it like that. It just sounds like anus. So Heinous King, I'm pretty sure it's like Haynes. Or, or just like the word <laughs> Heinous, which is like a, a <laughs> yes. diabolical thing. That's, that's kind of badass. Oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it like that. With him going down, that's just not good for Texas A&M for the rest of the year. And we're come down to two between and with him with Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country. Um, and we are currently the favorite. And if Texas A&M is gonna continue to look kind of bad, um, it's only gonna help OU's case. He was at the Western Carolina game, and from what the notes are saying, everything's been going great. Everyone was very impressed. It looks like, you know, obviously whenever you show out versus a team that you're supposed to and you could put on a show, um, it was good. And there's a lot of – did you see the, the the Pancake Hunter photo shoot too with him throwing up all the pancakes? It's beautiful. It, it truly is like the, – the photo shoot things are always great, but making pancakes intentionally as a prop is next-level stuff. It made me so happy to see. You know that there is some like – 20 year old intern that they've hired recently to bring on the gets paid nothing. They're like, all right, intern, I need you to make about 40, 50, maybe even a hundred pancakes this morning. So just get to work. And that's, that was his job just to make a recruit happy and have a cool photo shoot, which is really cool. And that's a guy, Demetrius Hunter is an offensive center from Texas. One of the best centers, not the best center in this recruiting class. That is extremely solid to Oklahoma. And he's a type of guy that I would never even doubt would leave, lose us. And that's the kind of stops that we're pulling out for a guy like him. 
So you can only imagine what's going on behind the scenes for guys like, you know, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, who's between us and A&M that would change, like it would be a next Gerald McCoy kind of force on that D line moving forward. And he also, another huge guy that we had in town was um, another five-star and that was an offensive lineman, Devon Campbell. Um, he's kind of down in between us and some Texas schools. Um, and we've been kind of coming strong with him. He has a really good relationship with Bill Beatenbow. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to the end with him, we get really close. So we were kind of in, even though that this 2022 class um, has had its decommitments at wide receiver, uh, as long as we can fill out at the non-wide receiver position, OU is going to do just fine at that one. And if we get some good defensive linemen and good offensive linemen and defensive backs as well, that is a stellar recruiting class. Absolutely. No, that sounds good. And, you know, I, I will say as much as I love the pancake hunter photo shoot, they look like some garbage pancakes. They look horrible. They look they're, horrible. They're prop pancakes. They're supposed to look bad. It's totally fine. You, uh, at least we know they weren't wasted. Um, it, it, so that's a plus. Well, Jameson, uh, thanks for the crude quarter, man. Appreciate it. For sure, man. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Ty, I will let you, uh, do your final thoughts. Um, just, just whatever you want, go for it. Yeah, I just uh, shout out to any team that OU is scheduling in the future. Please don't be trash when it comes time to hold up your end of the bargain. Like it's just very disappointing to schedule a team because now I'm looking forward at all the teams that we have scheduled in the future, and I'm like, how atrocious is you know Clemson going to be? Literally like 50 years from now because we have like a home and home schedule with them in like the 2040s, literally, which is absurd. I know it's not 50 years, but pretty much. Um, so, yeah, please stay relevant. Yeah, please just 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 don't be ass. So we have, you know, something to get excited for. And Nebraska, you know, we have you coming up again. Get better. Let's let's at least be excited for one of these matchups uh, in like 2028. Whenever you come back, be good. At least decent. Just not, just not, don't lose to Illinois and, and stuff like that. Oh, no, we're, we're completely cursing ourselves right the, here. The bar is at the floor. I don't care. It's Nebraska. If we lose to Nebraska, we disband the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I guess we're going to talk about this a little bit more in our Pick'em podcast, so make sure you stu- stay tuned for that. But I really want to get Ty's thoughts on what would Matt Campbell be like at USC as their head coach. He'd be so an we'll talk about that there. Oh, Okay. He wouldn't be the head coach. He'd be an assistant for Art Bryles. Oh, no. All right. That's where where we're ending this thing. All right, folks. Thank you all so much for listening to the Schooner Pod presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Um, I would like to thank Jameson and Ty for showing up as always and doing an excellent job podcasting as well. And, of course, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Michael Whitman. Uh, You know him from uh, such incredible stuff as – as the schooner simulation, but he also produced our incredible, incredible intro. Uh, just awesome stuff. Uh, thank you, Michael. So, all right, folks, OU Nebraska, soak it up. It's going to be exciting. Uh, right. A- if you're listening to this live right after this, we have the uh, weekend spread. Uh, if you're listening to this on record, uh, yeah, just listen, look for that on, 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 in your inbox on Thursday. So, all right, folks, For me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you next time where we talk about OU's upcoming game with West Virginia. Shout out to the night game, finally. Have a good one. Boomer Sooner. Beat the Huskers. <laughs>